Well, it's great to be able to uh, be here, and uh, thank you so much, uh, Coastal and uh, West and Long Beach, for uh, having Sean and I here, and uh, we're thankful uh, to be able to uh, just come and share with you guys in this marriage retreat. I think we were here a couple years ago when Orange County uh, joined uh, this group for a marriage retreat, and so it's uh, great to be able to, uh, to be back. Um, so yeah, thankful uh, for uh, Brian and Dessa and uh, our friendship with them. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I met Sean for the first time uh, right after I became a part of this church. So it was in uh, Boulder, Colorado. I got baptized and a couple weeks later went to my first uh, kingdom wedding. And uh, Sean was wearing actually this color of green. And uh, she walked right by me to go up and light the candles. And uh, I wouldn't say it was love at first sight, but there was an interest at first sight when I saw her. And, and, and I'll be honest, I, I saw her from the back. So I was. Now, keep in mind, I was a new Christian, so. <laughs> there was a sense of, well, let me see what the front looks like, you know, because I'm, I'm interested so far, you know? I mean, when. When, when you become Christian as a man, you're just not sure what it's going to be like. You know what I mean? Do, are we Amish? What do we do now? You know, <laughs> find a plain wife and it's like, you know, settle down. So uh, I didn't know that there was an adventure waiting for me there. But uh, so I, I asked the campus minister, Jay Kelly, at the time to introduce Sean and I. And, uh, and she was like Sean Sorensen, you know, sort of the, the, the number one sister in the campus ministry dating uh, Ted Ott, which uh, some of you know at the time, and they had a relationship. They were sort of leading together and working together. So uh, I sort of, you know, erased her off my list. I didn't pray against them or anything like that. But <laughs> so, so then as, as Brian and Dessa and I developed this relationship, and Brian and Dessa, they were in the dorms together. They actually were on the same floor together in the dorms. I mean, they... Brian and Dessa were the king of weasel dates. Uh, it's like their whole life was like one long weasel date until they got married. And uh, so they were kind of our wingman. Uh, they, they, he was sort of my wingman and she was our sort of my wing woman or whatever. They were, they were the wing couple for us. And uh, so we would go on dates. I would ask a sister and we'd go on dates and we'd hang out with them and and then we'd drop her off, and then we would all evaluate her and talk about her and see if... Uh... This is so spiritual. Yeah, that's right. This was in the church, yes. Uh... <laughs> Back in the day. So, um, so yeah, so then when, when Sean and Ted broke up, and then Sean moved to uh, University of Colorado... Uh, and then at the time, there was sort of, you know, it was like the starting gates of the Kentucky Derby, right? All these mares were in the stable, you know, and like trying to win Sean. I mean, it was like a race. The gates flew open and like all the brothers were after Sean. <laughs> and I remember telling Brian, like, I, I think I like Sean. And it was sort of, he was like, well, yeah, I mean, kind of everybody does, you know, it's... <laughs> The, the question was like, but does she like you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So, you know, I, I definitely was trying to woo her and win her over. And um, I, I had done, um, before I was a Christian, I, I was in a, a show. It was like a high diving and water ski show. And I would, 
you know, dive and I would light myself on fire and dive into the water and climb this 80 foot ladder. And let's just say that tape happened to find itself like at laying on the, when Sean was around, I was like, oh, that's just a tape of me, you know, diving and lighting myself on fire. I mean, it's, it's kind of stupid. Oh, well, yeah, we can put it in if you want, you know. So, um, but, uh, but I won the Triple Crown, and uh, so I, I captured this amazing filly. Um, and then, uh, so that was 21 years ago that we were uh, married, and actually we came right here right now. At, at, uh, we were married in May, and we came down here to San Diego for our honeymoon uh, so we were right here 21 years ago, and it's been a, uh, a, a great adventure, certainly. And uh, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Uh, these guys talked about the God adventure that uh, you are going to go on. So this is uh, Cabrillo Marina up in uh, San Pedro, uh, which is where we got married. And uh, this is our family uh, from left to right. That's Copper, our dog, um, me, uh, my wife, Justin, in the Miami Dolphins, he's rebellious, you know, will not... We give our children free will. Uh, two have chosen wisely. One is... Uh... Old Dave Molina's here. None of them chose the Raiders, you know, so... There's hope for them. Um... There uh, we are at uh, my parents' uh, farm. I grew up in Fort Collins, uh, Colorado, and uh, we had that uh, farm growing up, so it was kind of cool to bring the kids back there for that. Uh, you guys already saw Brian in his afro, and... Uh, <laughs> and this is all of us right now, uh, which has been uh, really cool to, just to be able to go on this journey as well with them. Uh, so let's go on an adventure. Uh, you know, I think that uh, going on an adventure, I think stimulus uh, is something that uh, we are hardwired for. In fact, studies, you know, now that you can map out the brain and figure out what's going in your mind, they're finding more and more out about this. It says a new study leads scientists to believe that the urge to do exciting things is linked uh, to the neurotransmitter dopamine, a chemical that helps transmit messages to your brain. Researchers analyzed genes in the dopamine system and found a group of mutations that help predict whether someone is inclined towards sensation-seeking, right? And it says this can be linked to a range of behavioral disorders, <laughs> uh, addictive behaviors, etc., uh, but it's not all bad, though. And the article goes on to talk about, you know, just even rangers and, you know, different uh, thrill-seeking type, adventure types that uh, is part of us are hardwired to go on an adventure, to do something exciting, to keep it fresh, to keep it alive in our life. Amen? And, yeah, it can be used for bad as well. But, uh, uh, you know... Uh, I don't know if there's a nerd string that runs through your family or not. Uh, there is one in ours. Um, not as bad as our friends, though, in Orange County, the Hoppers. Uh, they just had their baby uh, three days ago. His name is Luke Sky Hopper. So they're worse than us, right? They are the, they've got their Comic-Con, you know, probably gold members. 
But if you've read this, uh, if you've read about the Tolkien, uh, you know, the adventure of uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, uh, you know that uh, Bilbo is a product, obviously, of his parents. Uh, one is Belladonna Took, and the other, uh, the Baggins, is his father's line, right? And these two natures are completely opposed to one another, right? There's the Baggins side of his family that's all about just making a nice little home in the Shire, having your nice aged cheese and wine and uh, hang out, have your pipe, have a few friends over, not that many, not this many, uh, just sort of keep life mellow. And then there's the Took side that uh, they, were, they were adventurers, they were warriors, they uh, were crazy, they weren't worried about being dignified and, you know, drinking aged wine and cheese. They, you know, they were uh, Costco hamburger and hot dog folks, but they were on an adventure. And uh, so he had a choice to make. He really had the good life or he had the God life, which is what we're calling it. He was offered the chance to go on an adventure for people that he didn't really like, uh, for a cause that wasn't really his, uh, and no guarantee of coming home. In fact, Gandalf's only uh, you know, hook to him was, you know, you may die, there's no guarantee you'll come home, but if you do come home, uh, you'll have a tale or two to tell. So the only hook really was this possibility of adventure. And at first he said, absolutely not. And they all left. The dwarves left, and he was sitting there sort of looking at this contract that basically said, you know, we're not liable for your death. Uh, <laughs> but should you choose to, you'll share in the spoils as well. And uh, he sat there, and they left, and he was gone, and it was quiet, and he had his coffee and his tea and his cheese and his wine, and he thought to himself, I'm going to go on this adventure. And you think that, wow, isn't that exciting? Well, not really, because then there's like three movies full of misery. You know what I mean? It's not like, woo, yeah, I'm going to kill orcs. No, it's like you're going to run from and die. And, and if you read the books, I mean, every night he goes to bed and dreams that he's at home uh, in the comfort of his, the Shire, his little hobbit hole uh, with his food and his wine. And it's just you know, and then he wakes up and he's cold and miserable and dark and surrounded by a bunch of smelly people, all right? <laughs> and so what is God's adventure for you? Yeah, yeah, the brothers' households. <laughs> hey, that inspired many of us to get married, you know, amen. <laughs> for sure, it's, it's out there, isn't it, right? It's not behind that door, it's not hit the garage door, put it down, and the adventure begins inside the home. No, it's really, it's out there. It's, it's waiting for us. And, uh, you know, this used to be kind of the clarion call of this great adventure. This is what we signed up for. This feeling that, you know, there's a hook to it. Uh, go make disciples of all nations, right? There's a sense of go anywhere, do anything, go any, whatever it takes to really see this world uh, impacted for the cause of Christ. And we signed on to that, not because we thought we'd be comfortable, not because we thought we'd uh, grow wealthy, not be for any other reason other than there's an adventure out there that's waiting for us, that Christ, a man who had nowhere to lay his head, 
was calling us to this great adventure. And I know we've been reading uh, You and Me Forever, and Sean and I have read that as well uh, in preparation for this, but I want to read a book because we lead uh, the singles ministry in Orange County and help oversee the singles for the uh, church in Los Angeles. And uh, this is a book that uh, we recommend uh, to singles who are dating or pursuing courtship and marriage. It's a great book. And uh, it has many of the same uh, themes and messages as does uh, You and Me Forever. So I'm going to read an excerpt from that. It says, let's briefly introduce the why of marriage to help you make the wise choice about who. A home established on Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you is a glorious thing. While this verse contains a command, it's also an exciting promise of a rich and meaningful life. When a husband and wife are committed in Christ, growing together in the Lord, supporting each other in their spiritual walk, raising children in the fear of the Lord, loving each other out of reverence for God, joy abounds and miracles happen. Selfish people become servants. Self-centered children grow up to be workers in God's kingdom. Strangers become intimate friends. Daily life is filled with the drama of kingdom building. There's a lot of drama there sometimes, right? In the singles, there's a lot of drama. Uh, there are plenty of mistakes, lots of repenting, times of frustration, sickness, even doubts. But in the end, God's presence prevails. People are transformed. Kingdom work is accomplished. Trials are overcome. If two people join themselves around this mission, if they make it their marital choice based on the best person with whom they can accomplish this mission, they're far more likely to have a fulfilling and soul-binding marriage. On the other hand, I've witnessed how miserable people can make each other when they live for themselves. It's made me realize the old cliche is all too true. A marriage is the closest thing two people will ever come to heaven this side of eternity. And a bad marriage is the closest two people in an affluent society will ever come to hell. Such problems usually erupt from trying to build a life together without purpose or mission, without something that not only establishes a connection, but keeps you caring about one another for the next 50 to 60 years. Can I be honest with you? This is what it's saying. <laughs> Gary Thomas, not I, but I agree. There isn't a person alive who can keep you enthralled for the next five to six decades. <laughs> if they're really funny, really attractive, and you're really infatuated, you can be enthralled for a few years. But selfish people, even wealthy selfish people, or beautiful selfish people, or famous selfish people, eventually get bored with each other. And the very relationship that once gave them security and life feels like prison and death. No matter how intensely you feel in love now, that same thing will happen to you if you get married without a shared mission. And so, you know, for Sean and I, we were able to uh, get married and, and shortly thereafter go on a great adventure. Uh, we moved to uh, Beirut, Lebanon uh, to be with Jeff and Mary Wadstrom. And uh, there was a need there to, to help plant uh, several churches in, in different countries that had no church. And it really, in some ways, felt like a dream. It wasn't like, wow, uh, you know, that's dangerous or, you know, I feel bad for you guys. No, it was super exciting, you know. It's like we felt lucky that we uh, were able to go on this great adventure. And uh, so we were living literally right at uh, Exemino and 15th at the time in Long Beach. And uh, we had about 10 days notice uh, to, s to, have to have a garage sale, get rid of some stuff, 
Gave John Ivy my motorcycle, which actually that's, that's the only vehicle we had when we first got married is my, my old motorcycle. And we, would, uh, we were campus ministers at Long Beach State at the time. And uh, we, we lived up at, by Carson in the 605. So, uh, you know, she'd hop on the back of the motorcycle. We'd go to Ralph's, get some groceries. She'd put like the, the, the plastic bags, you know what I mean? Double bags and put them around her arms and then hold on to me. And we'd be on the 605 freeway, you know, like the plastic bags would be going. And, and she didn't really understand that you like had to lean, you know, on turns. So we'd lean and she'd think we were falling over. So I'd start getting punches in the ribs, you know. And, and then we went up to campus to, to share or do something one day, and I, I was parking it as she was getting off, and I burned her calf on, like, the tailpipe. Uh, so that's when we bought a car. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, 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 soup, it was very exciting, but, you know, as we got there, the church was sort of uh, really set up. that We had nationals that were leading and teaching, and so... For us, it was more of a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and we felt like we went from the front lines of the adventure uh, to what we thought was going to be this amazing adventure, and yet it felt really confining, and we felt very stuck, and we even began to think, maybe we made a mistake by coming here, because we really didn't have a vision for how our life and our marriage would make any impact in the Middle East. And so Sean's going to share a little bit about that time as well. Okay, well, um, you know, as Marshall said, I think, you know, I remember being in college and having this desire to um, go someplace that was out of this country, and I was definitely picturing someplace that was an adventure, and I remember the campus minister at the time, you know, she said, I think your um, adventure is going to be, it might just be to stay here, you know, and I was so disappointed at the time, and so I think when we got this opportunity to go to Lebanon, I was very, very excited about it, as Marshall said. And, um, but it was interesting what he said, that as we got there, to realize that God had such a different um, adventure in store than what we even, what we thought it was going to be. And there was a part of that, like, you know, even what, in a similar way to what um, that analogy is to the movie of going on this adventure, and then there's suffering yeah. that comes along with that adventure. And I think that that does happen in our relationship with God when we really put ourselves out there. There's a bit of a testing time to see what are we really in this for. Mm. And um, when we got to the Middle East, it was certainly like that. We had been a part of the campus ministry in L.A., and at the time, that was the big focus. And so we definitely, you know, were very busy and, you know, morning to night doing ministry. And then we got over there, and we literally had nothing thing to do. And Marshall and I had been married for a few years at that time, and all of a sudden, we're just looking at each other going, what are we going to do today? Because you can't, like, go out and share your faith there. You can't, you know, there just wasn't the same kind of life. And then things when you're there just take a very, very long time. So you can't go, if you were going to go meet with somebody for lunch, that's pretty much what you can do for the day, because it (laughs) takes forever to get everywhere. And we didn't have a car on top of that. So um, so we just kind of felt, I, I definitely felt a sense of, you know, of just, of just God, what are you doing? And maybe this is even a sense of a punishment. You know, maybe God is, maybe I did something wrong and God is just, he just wanted to get me out of his way so he could actually use other people for his, his kingdom, you know, and that I was just going to be stuck in this other place with nothing to do. And so it was a lot of wrestling with where am I really at in my relationship with God, mm-hmm. At the time, the church, when we moved there, it was one married couple, 
and they hadn't been married very long, but um, it was about 60 singles, and their view of marriage was horrific. They had no desire to get married. And, um, and the, one, the couple that was married, they had not had any help in their marriage, and so their marriage was really a mess. And so we started, um, there was a few people that had interest in each other and had started dating while we were there over the course of time. And so we kind of started with Jeff and Mary, this, um, this, this D group, this discipling group, where we would get together with some of the dating couples and talk about dating as Christians and things like that. And what happened from that is people actually started to get engaged and have a dream to get married. And it was very exciting to see people getting to that point. And I think it's just out of a desire to do something um, Marshall, you know, have this idea, let's, we had gone through premarital counseling, and uh, we just kind of took our notes and essentially just wrote a premarital packet, premarital counseling packet, and started doing it with the couples that got married, um, that were going through, um, getting engaged and getting married there. And this is Jesse and Mufid, who um, actually lead the church in Lebanon now, and we did their premarital counseling. And what happened was after we left, they were just so grateful for the help that they got in their marriage that they actually started offering the premarital counseling to non-Christians as an outreach. And this is a country of 4 million people. It's about it's smaller than the size of, of South Bay, but nobody's really doing this kind of stuff, getting help in marriages, getting premarital counseling, and it was very effective for them. And as they started to get more exposure, Jessie actually was able to get, um, she, has, she has her own show called Dear Jessie. <laughs> and um, they have used this, this uh, our premarital counseling packet, along with so, you know John and Karen Louise, um, I choose us and several anything they can get their hands on, honestly, that will help marriage. And they're taking these things and offering them to the country of Lebanon mm. to get help. And the kind of things that God is doing through that is really amazing. And I just think, you know, it's I feel like what happened when we were there was just a little seed was planted, and it was a very small seed. But what God did through that was really, and is continuing to do, has a lasting impact for, you know, now and hopefully prayerfully for years to come can make an impact on people for eternity. So. Amen. <clears throat> so this is, uh, the, they just recently uh, went through John and Karen's training for I Choose Us, and every single couple here is uh, not a member of the church. They're just members of the community uh, that they took like 17 couples through I Choose Us. And again, so yeah, Jesse is on TV. They have this weekly show, Dear Jesse, and uh, you know, it's produced. And, and she said, you know, I want to do our study series on this as well. So they've allowed her to do the study series. And so, uh, and Al Jazeera has picked this uh, up. And so it's being broadcast now throughout the Middle East. It's just amazing that, that Sean and I thought we would have no impact here. We, we felt so limited in what we could do. And this avenue of marriage and premarital counseling, and not that we were these experts, we were newly married as well. And instead of fighting, we said, well, let's take our notes from our premarital counseling and uh, write them up. And then we were able to tr uh, train the church in uh, Lebanon and Cairo uh, and Jordan. And then they translated it into Arabic and on and on and on. It's one of those things where if you plant a seed, it reaps 30 to 60 to 100 times uh, what was sown, which has been really exciting. Amen. Um, what robs our sense of adventure? You know, it, it's, it's funny when you, when you see the, 
somebody who's got a mission or an adventure, it's not the big setbacks. It's not the big challenges. It's not the crushing defeats. It's not the giant spiders or the teams of orcs. You know, that almost sometimes enhances your resolve that, hey, we're going to get through this. Uh, I think what can sort of eat away at us is just everyday life. <laughs> There's nothing that really kills our sense of adventure. You know, we're going to do great things for God. And it's like, what, honey? No, 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 you were supposed to pick him up. No, I, well, I have this. And well, no, then he's got soccer. Well, no, I, well, well, you were supposed to. Well, I don't know. We'll just have to pick up dinner. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just the everyday life. And like that couple who adopted all those, it's not this glamorous adventure that they're on. I mean, look at their grocery bill. That probably wasn't their weekly trip to the store. That was probably their daily trip to the store to eat dinner that night. And so it's this sense that daily life can sometimes steal away these dreams for doing things for God. And so I think in the, in the church, we've sort of tried to devise ways of, uh, you know, pe keeping people's attention and getting them involved and, and, you know, using your gifts and talents to serve God. And, and, and I think there's biblical precedent for using your gifts, all right? Uh, in fact, the Bible says if your gift's encouraging, let him encourage. If serving, let him serve. The Bible also says it was he who gave some to be evangelists and pastors and teachers and those with administration to build up the body of Christ. So certainly using our gifts and talents, it, there, it, there's biblical precedent to that. But I do think the unintended consequence is that when we make these things our mission these gifts and talents or the ability to serve in a certain way as our mission instead of the true calling that Christ has called us to, which is to be outward, which is to be mission-minded, right? We just decide, well, God made me an usher, you know? And so that's, but that's not your mission. That's not going to fulfill your sense of adventure, you know what I mean? Uh, and if it does, then you probably shouldn't be an usher, Right? Uh, I've ran into a few of those at conferences before. Um, that's their mission, their calling. There's a book that I think, you know, uh, Rob Skinner shared uh, at, at a time uh, for ministers training a couple years ago that really uh, spoke to him in a time where he was called to leave Ashland, Oregon, uh, which is pretty much the Shire. I mean, I don't know if they filmed it there or not, but... Uh, <laughs> That is the Shire. Uh, uh, you know, it's beautiful. It's nice to go to Tucson, Arizona, right? Which is basically Mordor. I mean, that is... <laughs> Sean and I did a three-year tour in Phoenix, and, uh, you know, I was in a bad mood for three years, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's just too hot to even have a quiet time. It's like, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, that... That prayer is in the Bible, and God heard that one. So that was my prayer for about three years. If you want, to, if you want me to pray longer, just cool it off a little bit. So a lot of letters to God in an air-conditioned you know, house for a quiet time. And I want to read uh, this passage. Uh, it's more of a promo for this book. It says, a, a, a mission that is the highest purpose to which God calls us. 
I'm sorry, a mission is the highest purpose to which God calls us. A shadow mission is an authentic mission that is derailed, often in imperceptible ways. Part of what makes the shadow mission so tempting is it's usually closely related to our gifts and passions. And it's not 180 degrees off track, it's just 10 degrees off track. But that 10 degrees is enough to avoid God's greater purposes and sometimes even avoid God altogether. Everyone has a mission and a shadow mission. Even Jesus had to battle a shadow mission to be a leader without suffering, to be the Messiah without the cross. If we fail to embrace our true mission, we will live out our shadow mission. We'll let our lives center around things that are unworthy at best and often selfish and dark. Sometimes the greatest fear we face is not something that might happen to us, but that over time something might be taken away from us. A degeneration of the heart that robs us of our true calling and leaves a deep soul dissatisfaction in its place. You know, what can become our shadow mission? Um, when we think of what's next in our adventure, right? In this kingdom adventure that we've all signed off on. Or maybe if you're a guest or, or new, maybe there's a sense of calling of what God has called for you, of what God might have in store for you. But for many of us, we've sort of been on the adventure, right? It's there and back again. Now we're back again. And, and that sense of what's next. And so, you know, maybe it is thrill-seeking. I mean, our brain needs it, it says, you know. I mean, we got to do it. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting exercise and going out and being extreme. And, you know, it does talk about that there are some dark ways that we can go on adventures. I know there's a great temptation, and, and pornography is very pervasive in our society. And it really promises for 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 minutes that you will go on this great adventure. And you even sense the dopamine, and, it, you know, it does things to your brain that's very chemically addictive. There's maybe the, the, the promise of a new relationship. You know, the book You and Me Forever talked about pornography and flirting as, as two of the dangers that are so pervasive in our society. Just building an innocent relationship that feels like an adventure. And it's amazing, you know, your wife and kids can't promise the same adventure that this new relationship can unlock. And so it's, it's very tempting sometimes to go to those places. You know, vacation can be an adventure. And it's, you know, vacation is needed. We need to build memories, especially with our kids and, and our wives. While we have them, it is important. Getaways like this. It, but you know the difference, right, between whether you're living for this adventure or you're living the kingdom adventure. Or remodels. Sean and I had an adventure. I'm a structural engineer. I tore off the roof of our house and, and added uh, a few uh, hundred square feet on top. And uh, it was great because we were able to get into about $160,000 worth of debt right before the housing market crashed. And then in the last seven years, have been through Crown and FPU many times to try to pay off all that debt. And uh, we have paid off about $130,000 of debt in the last seven years. That is not an adventure I would recommend that you go on. <laughs> you're pulling out the sword and you're, you know, you're fighting each other. It was more on that when the men and women split up. But <sighs> or kids, right? Our kids are an adventure in and of themselves. 
<laughs> but they can't be your adventure, can they? And you see families, this is such a child-centered world. It, it, you know how I know this picture is recent? Because no parent set foot on playgrounds until the last 10, 15 years, right? I don't remember my dad on the jungle gym ever with me once growing up. But now we dads are on this adventure and our kids and come on, you know, they have no friends because dad's our best friend, you know, and, and we're on this adventure with our kids. And, and, and they are an adventure in and of themselves. Don't make them your adventure. They are not meant to handle that. And the cool thing is through the miracle of Facebook, you get to see all your friends go on all the adventures that you can't go on. <laughs> you're at work and you're like, they're at Disneyland today? <laughs> I'm happy for them, you know, you put a comment, lucky, you know. The whole positive world of Facebook, you know. You guys look great, happy, you know. <laughs> I have a friend on Facebook. Uh, he and I grew up. We went to high school together. went to the same church. Uh, and um, I don't know why I'm still his friend in a sense because uh, th this is literally a year. Uh, this is about nine months of his life. Uh, so Christmas, it's he and his family, and they're in Hawaii for Christmas. And uh, about three weeks later, no, no, a week later, they're at the 50-yard line for the BCS National Championship game with his boys, you know. Uh, then about three weeks later, they're at the Super Bowl. Um, uh, that was last year when the Broncos played, so we are, you know, bonded in suffering in that way. Uh, and then, of course, spring break is Vail and uh, Beaver Creek in Colorado. Then the trip with the wives to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, then a little father and son time in the pit at uh, the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> this is him and his granddad uh, fishing in Florida over the summer. And then a guy's trip out in Cabo uh, fishing for Marlin. We're, this is six months of his life. Uh, and then he was able to make it to the season opener uh, for the Broncos. I didn't know where he lived. I was like, where does this guy live? It, <laughs> he lives in like Indiana or something. I'm like, uh, and, and you know, it's like, wow, what a, what, a, what a great friend to have on Facebook, you know? I don't... <laughs> I mean, if you're a kid and you grow up that way, where's the adventure after that, you know? I mean, geez, I really feel bad for them. Here's the Mead family, here's how we roll, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm telling Kyle and Jess, I'm like, you guys can really see the whole game develop from up here, you know? When you're down low, sometimes you really can't see, but you know, you can, everything that's going on, including the, the structure of the building and the canopy, you know, from, from up here, you know. <laughs> and then we were able to go to Colorado. We didn't get in the stadium, but we were able to take a picture. Like, guys, this is where they play, you know, whoa. <laughs> 
And uh, we don't go to Cabo, but uh, you know, in the backyard, we have a trampoline and we put the hose on it and he's hosing down his brother and we got a, that's the swimming pool we had put in. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no Marlin, but uh, you know, that's, that's this, uh, you know, little algae pond up in Fullerton that, uh, that you go with a, you know, a hook the size of your little finger and you can, you can catch bluegill there all day long, you know. Those are good eating. No, it's catch and release. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be tough to, to know what, what God's adventure is for you. And sometimes, uh, again, the shadow mission is, is right there as this substitute. And, you know, Sean and I got discouraged. We, we were in the ministry, and uh, we were in Phoenix, and, and we just felt like this was a time when, you know, I felt like uh, back in 2003 that, uh, you know, I, in the ministry, it was not a great place to be at that time. Uh, it was like, I felt like I could no longer have an opinion about anything, and, and I am an opinionated person, so... I felt like, well, maybe if we just go back to our career and I go back to structural engineering, then maybe I can talk or have an opinion. And in many ways, I wanted to help the church even during that time of transition. But, uh, but we ended up moving to Orange County, and I, I was working for the last 10 years in uh, structural engineering. And, uh, you know, it, it was, for me, I felt like this was uh, maybe where God had wanted us to go. And uh, was living, and I'm not saying that the ministry, if you're not in the ministry, that's, you, you've settled for less than God's adventure. That is not true at all. To me, it's a calling. Uh, and it's a calling for some, but certainly not all. But all of us have a unique calling, and I do feel like that's the calling that God had for me. But I spent the better part of years, 10 years, saying that's not really my calling. And, and through the financial stuff that we went through, uh, God just continued uh, to, to humble uh, us. And, uh, you know, I became susceptible just even to, to sins and things began to awaken me. I, I sort of began to morph into the old marshal that I once was before God called me to this great adventure. Uh, and I'll share more even to, to the brothers, but, you know, we were leading a family group. I was a worship ministry leader, and, and uh, for about 10 years, the, my only claim to fame was, like, I know Brian Craig. <laughs> it wasn't, wow, you mission and Beirut and all this stuff. It was like just sort of hanging on to a thread of spirituality, uh, trying to fool some people that I... Uh, you know, was a good leader and, and, and playing guitar and doing engineering and, and really began to sort of lose touch with my family, my relationship with God, began to kind of lose a lot of the dreams and the sense of adventure uh, that God had us on. And I would say that this was probably, in a sense, the, the height of not my mission, but my shadow mission. To play in front of, in a sense, 17,000 people and to play guitar and and it was awesome. Don't get me wrong, Brian. Thank you for asking me. Uh, there were about, you know, a thousand better guitar players than me in the audience who probably had an attitude against you. But uh, because I know Brian, I got to play. And, uh, but I was, this is a dying man spiritually. 
This is a man who's probably on his last leg spiritually with no sense of adventure, but living out an adventure and a shadow mission that probably most people would say, oh yeah, the Medes, right? And so it's, it's God's calling, it's God's adventure that he wants us to go on. And as we, uh, we kind of come in for a landing, I'm going to read a few scriptures and talk about a few people that, that God called them on to a great mission. And it's important to keep this vision for yourself alive. It's important to have God's vision alive, even during the times when it's dark. And, uh, you know, we've, we've read this scripture a lot, but when there is no vision, people perish. That's the, new, that's the King James. Uh, the word para, uh, the Hebrew there, is probably rightly translated unrestrained in the, new A, the NASB and the NIV. And that word uh, simply means to let go of, to leave alone, to avoid to bring about a lacking, to draw away, to get loose, to, to lack restraint, to neglect something. And I think when we don't have a sense of God's calling and God's vision, then this can kind of describe our Christian life. It just gets loose. We just sort of leave alone the important spiritual things. We just, we just lack the motivation to do the things that are difficult and that God is calling us to do. And, and you know when it's God's vision, right? A godly vision comes from God. Now that might sound <laughs> obvious, but a godly vision comes from God. And it's not usually what you are good at, <laughs> right? It's not using your gifts and talents. In fact, when God gives someone a vision, they're usually like, are you sure you have the right number? <laughs> What you're asking me to do is not in any way related to my skill set. I'm not a lead the people out of Egypt kind of person. I stutter when I speak. I am not a good, you know, I'm impatient. That's, you must have, please choose someone else. Isn't that a great verse? God, please choose somebody else. <laughs> Look at what happens when God calls people. There's an element of fear every time it's a God vision. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And he called Abram and Sarai to be on a mission to basically populate the world with people of faith. Only they were infertile. So that was not really in line with their skill set, their gifts, and their unique talents. <laughs> I'm sure they were trying, they just were not successful, right? They were probably on marriage retreats and, you know, it was, it was not working. And Sean and I were on that journey for many years, and we'll share more about that tomorrow. Uh, but uh, there's a fear that comes with God's mission. And in fact, sometimes God has to just change you in, into the person that he wants you to be to go on that mission. For Sarai, uh, the, the word means contentious. So Sarai, the, actually her name just means a walking bad attitude. <laughs> so God said, in order for me to send you on this mission, I'm changing your name to Sarah, which means princess. Right? There's some Sarais in the fellowship, right? <laughs> and yet God has a great vision for you. He just may have to change your countenance a little bit. Uh, and... Uh, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You know, you can be very young and inexperienced and brass and still be given a vision by God. 
Or you can be old. God told Jacob, hey, I am God. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. So at 130 years of age, he moved, he and his whole family, down into the midst of their enemies, the Egyptians, um, people who despised them and made his home there and started an adventure at 130 years of age. Right? Samuel was given a vision by God and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. You know the vision was? That Eli was under God's judgment because his family was out of control. And Eli and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli that is God's vision. You know, it's hard to talk about our families. It's hard to talk about our marriages, isn't it, sometimes? Yes. Uh, it's important to have people in your life who will be a Samuel to you, who will discuss how the state of things are going in your marriage and in your family. But that's a scary vision. And that's the, really the vision that God has to use our marriages and our families to be a light to the world. Uh, Gideon. You, you know the story of Gideon. When the angel appeared to him, he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, sometimes God doesn't change your name, but God reminds you of your true name. You know what the name Gideon means? It means he that bruises or breaks, a destroyer. Did Gideon feel like that when God first called him? He was like, I am lame. I am the lamest in my family. Our family is the lamest in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is the lamest in Israel, and Israel right now is lame. <laughs> That's the original Hebrew. Um, The cool thing is, is that God's vision relies on God, not you. Think of what you were when you're called. <laughs> not many of you are wise, noble, uh, influential, sharp. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. The lowly things, the despised things, Right? Gentle hobbits with hairy feet to drop a ring in the middle of Mordor, you know? Uh, that's the adventure that God wants us to go on. God chose us to go on this adventure. And He knows we're not equipped for it, but He didn't choose us because we were equipped. He chose us to reveal in us His greater glory. And so as we go on this kingdom adventure... Uh, you know, for Sean and I, we went back into the ministry a couple years ago to work with the singles, uh, and uh, it's been a, a great adventure, and uh, it's been exciting, and, and I'm grateful to, uh, to, to really be living out what I feel like is our calling and what God has called us to. And uh, this is uh, Jordan and Tachi and Ronnie. Uh, Jordan uh, was at Camp Pendleton and found us and became a disciple. And he reached out to Tachi. Both of those guys served in Afghanistan. Both became disciples of Christ. And uh, Sean's going to share just a couple more quick stories of, of the kingdom adventure that we're on. And then we'll split up men and women after a break. Amen. And Jordan's actually about to get married, too. Yep. That's really cool. Um, you know, I think even the adventure for our kids as they grow up in the kingdom. Mm. Um, that this is our daughter's the one in the purple in the back there. The non-Asian. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're all fooled. Um, but, you know, just to see our kids grow up with this kind of adventure in their heart. And it was certainly an adventure last December. Our daughter was baptized. Yeah. And that was 
the greatest dream come true. So that, that's an awesome adventure. And, you know, even praying for our families. A lot of you know Steve and Carrie Lounsbury because they were here in Long Beach. Some of you know them from other places. But um, Carrie's brother Mark is the guy getting baptized right there. He's a disciple in the um, singles ministry in Orange County. But this is, you know, he was a child in the kingdom kind of took a hiatus for a long time and came back wanting to get his relationship with God right, and he's a great disciple. This is some of our friends. You know, many of you know the Olivares family. Um, Yvonne is over there on the um, left, and her husband Lago, and they are on a new kingdom adventure. And um, I just blanked where they are. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina. I'm thinking Virginia. I'm like, that's not right. And then Sudina Mara Nakano, um, they're in the middle there. And, you know, Mara's diagnosed as stage four cancer. And that's, you know, we are together in this journey. And we're, you know, sometimes the journey throws wrenches in the plan. But I'm so grateful to be on this journey with them and, um, and to be able to do this together. And so just, and then this is uh, uh, Anna Cuevas, and she's been in our singles ministry. She, God put it on her heart to sell everything she had which she planned for a long time and moved to Guatemala and serve and live in an orphanage in Guatemala and that's what she's doing with her life and it it's it's tough but you know she's fulfilling what God's adventure and her his vision for her is and was there any more Oh, and then this is uh, my um, great friend, Therese, and, uh, in the middle there, and then Huri on the left. And um, Therese and I met back in 2005 when our daughters went to kindergarten together, and we just became steadfast friends. And a couple years after we met, she became a disciple. And um, just to see her and her children growing up in the kingdom is really amazing. Her son actually got baptized as, as well. And, um, but she and I have just been hand-in-hand um, in, hand in the battle together spiritually, and we were able to study the Bible with Huri there, and she's from a Muslim background and uh, came around to the church through her. Uh, she has a family member who's a part of our congregation in Orange County, and, you know, God just opened up her heart to look for truth, and she's been a disciple now since um, February and is having, you know, an amazing time as a Christian, so it's really encouraging. Amen. I think you want to share that. And even just to see the impact that our marriages can make, Ken and Rosalie Bailey, um, they were in Orange County for many, many years, and uh, probably contentious might be a, a, you know, a decent description. That's the, what Sarai means. Uh, they, they told Rob Skinner, yeah, we're not very fruitful. We're just not very effective. That's not our gifts, uh, you know, and there's, he kind of listed a litany of things of why you probably don't want us on your mission team. <laughs> he said, do you want us? And Rob was like, sure. In the last two years, they've helped about eight couples become Christians, just starting a new life there in, in Tucson. And just to see, obviously, what do you think has happened in their marriage and in their family dynamic as they have gone on this great adventure? So I think for us, you know, it, it, it's time for a new adventure. God has a great plan for us. But you know what? Satan also has a shadow mission for us to be a little more comfortable and do what we want. And, you know, our, our Christianity shouldn't be about what we're good at, what we're able to do, or what we want to do. Right? But sometimes that becomes, what do you want to do? What are you good at? What are you able to do? What are you willing to do? It's really what can God do? Right? What could God do through you and with you as you give him your heart and set foot on this great kingdom adventure? Amen? Amen. Amen.